Hey, what's going on? You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. My name's Jason. You can call me Jamie. And this podcast is for reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate having to send hundreds of unanswered cold emails and make hundreds or potentially thousands, depending on how many cold calls you make, with little to, to no success. So if that's ever happened to you or someone or a team that you're managing, you're definitely in the right place. Today, we're talking to my man, Jeff Bajoric. I call him Jay Beasy, <laughs> and we're doing an episode of Sales Rants. Let's get to it. So in today's episode, so if you haven't listened to Sales Rants, what I do with my uh, good buddy Jeff is we pick three or four topics. We kind of spend you know anywhere between five and 10 minutes riffing on the topic, giving our high level you know, take on it, and then giving you something actionable to do. Today, what I'm excited for you to dig into is we talk about how to prioritize where you spend time on your funnel, your sales funnel. So if you're an account executive, especially, or anyone doing full cycle sales, you know, do you spend more time prospecting? Do you spend more time on discovery, stuff that's closer to close? How do you prioritize that? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about an experience I had on vacation, interacting with someone that owned a store and said the bathroom is for paying customers only and how we actually take that mentality into how we work with customers. And it can really limit the amount of opportunities that we create with existing customers. Then Jeff's going to dig into how to you know, work in bite-sized projects and how I think it's really, I don't know if he set New Year's goals or anything like that, but I think in, in terms of years and quarters can be way too long for a lot of people, including myself, because you don't get that quick kind of win that you need to stay motivated. And then lastly, what we talk about is something I've been really passionate about lately is how to eliminate procrastination. So it's going to be an action-packed episode. Before we get to that, if you've been listening to this and you're thinking, hey, I'm doing pretty good right now as a rep, but I would really like to get in the top 1%, top 5% of you know, not only my company, but my profession, this might be for you. One thing I believe, which may sound a little weird coming from a guy that's recording this podcast right now and does a lot of webinars and posts a lot of content is I don't really believe that top reps need more sales content. I don't think that sitting around and spending more hours listening to podcasts or watching webinars or anything like that is going to help you become an elite sales professional. I think it's really about spending more time on two activities, right? Opening new deals and then closing them. And the challenge occurs with, with the content that you do consume to level up. How do you make sure it's on the stuff that you need most right now. So if you're not having trouble with closing deals, it's how do I focus on stuff that's not related to that and focus on opening those deals, outbound related stuff. And this is exactly why I started Outbound Squad. We have, we just actually onboarded our second group by the time you listen to this. So we got a few dozen people in there. But what all of these folks have in common is they love structure. And we provide them with structure, monthly projects, so you can know exactly where your strengths, weaknesses are, that sort of thing, and level up on the things that are going to move the needle the most. We also provide coaching, so you get to work with me and several other guest coaches, trainers, that sort of stuff. And there's a big community around and big push around accountability. So you get to interact with these peers. We put you in accountability pods, and I could talk on and on and on about it. <laughs> but if this sounds like something for you, and you're looking and crave that structure and you don't like listening to a bunch of theory, you want really actionable things that are going to help you move the needle this week, later today, that sort of thing, shoot me an email, jason at blissfulprospecting.com and just put squad 
in the email and I'll hook you up with some more details. This is very challenging. It is a paid program, full disclaimer. So let me know if that sounds like something for you. Jason at blissfulprospecting.com. Put squad in the subject line and I'll hook you up. All right, let's get to the episode today. So one of the things that I hear oftentimes, this never comes from BDRs and SDRs. It's always people that are managing a bunch of different things. They're selling, they're doing account management, they're putting out fires. And, and when they spend have a little bit of time, they, they do some prospecting. But there's this way that you have that you recommend people kind of prioritize their time in terms of where they think about the buckets. You want to elaborate a little bit more on that? I'm happy to elaborate on it because you're the like the person who put this in so few words, so succinctly for me during one of our conversations a few months ago. You said, Jeff, you got to work the bottom of your funnel first. And I'm like, you know, I sat here and I explained this concept to you in like this beautiful, like three minute overture. And you're like, yeah, work the bottom of your funnel first. Like it was just <laughs> like the, the way you just so simply put this, but there's a huge focus on top level prospecting or high level prospecting, get your message out there to people, make the call, send the email, set the cadences up, do the, the high level software if that's what you want. And that comes from such a great place because for so long, people were not prospecting. It's a hard thing to do. You don't need me to justify why there's been so much focus on prospecting, but you know what happened? It was prospect, 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 and then no one would follow through. And we actually, as a result of one of our things, this might've been last fall, uh, last summer on the Think Outside the Script, it was, well, how am I supposed to do good discovery if I have all this prospecting to do? And it's like, oh my. I mean, you have to work the bottom of your funnel first. You do all the prospecting so you can do the discovery work, so you can get through presentation, you can work through the sales process. And if you're just putting everything in the top of the funnel, but you're not actually working things through the funnel, your leads, they fall out the top of the funnel. They don't work through the process. There's so much going in the top. I mean, a funnel can only process so much at a time. You have to remember to clear some space in the middle and the bottom for those leads. Otherwise, it's all wasted effort. And I don't have time. I don't know about you, but I don't have time for wasted effort. No, not at all. There's a, I think I, I love this point that you're bringing up. I think there's a really practical thing you can do with just I put two hour, two one hour blocks on my calendar each week, and it might be more or less, you know, for someone else listening. It's just sales fu, and it's sales follow up. <laughs> you know, sales follow up. It's not a, not a declaration. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the list of activities is very simple. I start at the very end of the sales pipeline or the very bottom. I look at the stuff. Who do I have a contract out for right now that I had just haven't heard back from? Who? What opportunities have I created that I for whatever reason don't have a next stage and if you think of prospecting through that lens too you're you're still prospecting through the sales cycle too to get those next meetings can we be clear about that like prospecting doesn't end once you have a, a meeting that's booked prospecting is not just did i reach somebody did i execute my cadence did i make enough calls was there enough outbound activity like listen inbound leads need to be prospected too discovery is part of the prospecting process presentation is a little bit still a part of the the, the prospecting process like we need to get our heads wrapped around like it's nice to segment the sales process for the sake of focus but we can't forget that it still all has to fit together. Otherwise, it's just not going to get where you want it to go. Well, yeah. And thinking about it from the prospect's point of view, it doesn't feel like stages to a prospect. 
it just feels like I'm talking to Jeff. And the next step is what I'm going to count on him to tell me what the next step is. Cause usually it's a proposal of some sort or whatever. You got to guide them through that process. Yep. That is so easily forgotten. And that's one of the problems with the segmentation and over-segmentation. And segmentation has a place. Clearly, if it didn't work, we wouldn't still be talking about it. But I still don't think it works in as many places as some people think it works. But let's not forget that it all has to work together. And you can't just say, well, I'm going to fill the top of the funnel. I'm going to fill the top of the funnel. And if one hand isn't talking to the other hand, who's supposed to be clearing the bottom of the funnel, then we're going to have issues. And the organizational level, you just have to remember that the process needs to be carried out and needs to be committed to. And you got to take a little bit more of a holistic view of the process and the pipeline so that you can make it function really efficiently. Absolutely, man. So, Jason, this is not a topic we normally get into here, but um, you were on a road trip recently to vacation and you had to go to the bathroom. Imagine that, right? A long road trip, couple cups of coffee, you and your wife on vacation and you got to make a pit stop, right? And then you you make it as long as you can. Maybe that next exit isn't coming along for a little while and you finally pull over and then you get that sign on the door that says, paying customers only. The emotions running through your empathetic brain at that point, I can only imagine, right? But you've got a sales lesson that comes from this. Like, where are you thinking? Like, and why is your mind in the toilet when you're thinking about sales, Jason? <laughs> and by the way, I drink a lot of coffee. So, you know, I'll drink a whole French press of coffee in the morning and then I'll drink cold brew on top of that. So, yeah, I had to go bad, you know, about an hour and a half into the trip. <laughs> And the sign didn't bother me as much as the person's reaction, the person that owned the store that was working in the front. And I just said, hey, can I get a key to go to the bathroom? She's like, oh, it's for paying customers only. And I've never heard anyone explain the reason why. And that was always what I wonder is, well, what's the reason why I have to buy something in order to use the bathroom, especially if I get gas or something? She didn't even know if I was filling up the pump outside, or which we weren't. But none of that stuff. And the thing I think that irked me the most was, one, the assumption that I'm basically trying to take advantage of the store. And then, two, it was no no empathy or any sort of acknowledgement of the fact that, like, dude, I got to go to the bathroom bad. And just thinking about me for a second. And what I thought about is there's a lot of different ways that they could handle that. But how many times are we doing this to prospects and customers where they ask for things and we immediately shut it down with zero explanation or empathy. And if you're one of those reps that doesn't talk about price and all that stuff in the first sales call, good on you for setting that boundary, but make sure that you acknowledge what the customer's looking for and let them know why you don't do that. And the thing that we talked about was, you know, if someone wants to really dig into price and programs and all this other stuff, instead of just saying, no, I don't talk about that on the first call, we got to schedule a second call. Say, hey, sounds like you're really excited to like dig into the program, Jeff. I definitely want to get you what you want. But the reason why I don't go over price in the first one is one, I haven't really gotten enough information from you. So I'm really worried that it would not be accurate, the number that you would bring back to your team. And I'm sure you want to make sure to have all the numbers and the justification and all that other good stuff, which I want to help you get. And two, honestly, it doesn't really work that well for me either. Because <laughs> if I don't have these things, I don't really know. We, we got a bunch of different ways we can help you. I don't really know what to talk about. So it's really hard for me to give you something that isn't like a huge range. So I'm happy to share a range with you, but I can't really get you a proposal or anything like that. Is that, that sound okay? I want to, I want to get you what you want here though. And just an acknowledgement of that and a reason why it's very, very simple, but think about all the times you shut prospects down throughout the sales process with literally zero explanation. You're rejecting them the way that we hate being rejected as salespeople. 
I go back to our friend, Jeffrey Gittimer, who talks a lot about customer service. And he says, anytime you go back and you say, it's our policy too, he's like, forget it, stop. You're done. You've already lost me. I don't want to hear about your policy. Your policy doesn't appreciate my situation. It doesn't, it doesn't appreciate what I'm trying to do here. Your policy does not reflect or acknowledge my why whatsoever, right? You know, it's really interesting. Those signs, you know, you put a sign on the door or there's a little sign on the key or, or something, you know, it's a message on the key. Like, listen, you're not even handwriting those anymore. Like you just type it up on a computer, print it out there. You could just as simply put, hey, look, this is a small business. If you're going to utilize our facilities, we would appreciate it if you contributed to the business as well. You know what? It's the same message, but it triggers something completely different in the prospect's mind. In this case, in the person trying to use the bathroom in their mind. What is the initial response? You're like, man, I am as vulnerable as you can possibly be. And now you're trying to use that as leverage for me to spend money I wasn't planning on spending. That's not cool. Like I'm in the bad headspace if that's what you're making me do here. But if you remind me that these facilities take resources to upkeep, that my time is valuable, go to your pricing situation. Like you're going to come on here, use me for a 30 minute. My calendar is my inventory. You're taking a 30 minute slot for my inventory just to ask me about my price. Now, hold on. I understand that you want to know about how much this is going to cost. I also can appreciate that you probably understand that I have some context to deliver there. Can we both agree that we're going to leave this meeting feeling as if we have our objectives met, right? Like that's an upfront contract if I've ever heard one. And it helps to set the context. It helps to make sure everybody's on the same page. Policy as a rule is probably the wrong way to go about doing it. Yeah. One last thing I would uh, just add an exclamation point maybe to what you brought up was this thing around time. Make sure to explain the time and effort that goes into things where you can be too customer centric. You let the person know how you're feeling about it too and how much time it takes for you. And how can I explain this in a way that actually gets them to lean in and want to, in this case with a small business, want to support my business versus being like, okay, I was almost, I didn't have to go to the bathroom. So I was like, hey, why? I guess I just won't go to the bathroom here then. That's fine. <laughs> and I won't get gas here either. Yeah. Are you supposed to get back in your car and drive five more miles? I mean, <laughs> so another, another thing that we've been talking about too, is that this concept of as a rep, especially when you think about it, you think about all the individual skills that are required to be a great sales rep. I mean, just with prospecting, if you break that down, there's cold calling, there's cold emails, so there's copywriting versus seeing stuff. There's objection handling. There's your sequence. There's knowing your tools. There's empathy, there's objection. I mean, there's just so many things. It can be kind of overwhelming to work on all of those things at once. So what's this kind of concept that uh, we've been talking about? If you want to elaborate on this, is it okay to just say, hey, let me put all of this here in maintenance mode and just focus on this one thing? Is that okay to do? Yes. And I think this is particularly poignant. Coming out of Outbound, I was there for a week in Atlanta and there was so much content presented and it's all great. And so you leave as an attendee. And I remember I was there as an attendee in 2019 and I had pages and pages and pages of notes and a head full of ideas. You can't execute on all of that all the time, right? Or I'm sorry, all of that at the same time. You got to pick a couple of things. 
And I, I tell people too, prioritize. Like, what are the first three? You're going to write down all 15 of these things you want to do. What are the most important three that you're going to work on? And then just work on those three. And in the process of those three being handled, you pull out, you know, five and seven and nine and 13 end up getting taken care of as well. Cause that's how prioritization works, right? The first few pins knock down the rest or dominoes or whatever. I'm from the Midwest. We bowl here. So the, <laughs> the idea of, you can't work on all of it at the same time effectively. You'll burn out. You'll be overwhelmed. You won't do it all as well as you could. But I get this idea from you. You and I have talked about this several times where it's like, pick one thing. If it's important enough to work on, it's important enough to do it well. And if it's important enough to do it well, give it the space and time you need in order to do it well. So take your cold emailing, for instance, and, and take an online course about copywriting. Read a couple of books about persuasive copywriting for marketing. Make that your headspace for the next six weeks or so and indoctrinate some of those principles into your daily routine. And then over six weeks, you're going to learn a lot. And then step back for a couple of weeks and just let that settle into your routine a little bit. And then over the course of those eight weeks, you can really set some really, you know, some good, firm, really sound habits. Well, you don't like to do that, though. Most people don't like to do that because, oh, eight weeks, and but I have so much to do or whatever. Let's do the math. That's an eight-week cycle. Six weeks of focus, two weeks of, like, just let's see how this turns out. You can get through six of those cycles in a calendar year and still take four weeks of vacation. How many landmark kind of improvements have you made to your skill set or your business or whatever it is in the last year? Is it six? Probably not. And I think partially because most people don't know really what to tackle, but then most of the people who decide to tackle something try to tackle everything at the same time and they don't give any of those initiatives the room to really take hold or, or, or be effective at all. And I got this from you because like you're really good at this. And I do occasionally write and speak to myself in some of my own content here. So I take what you say and I listen very carefully. I love all of this. And I think that another aspect of this is the mental part of it, the staying motivated. And one thing that I think is completely discounted because people want motivation all the time, right? Well, motivation, a lot of it comes from incremental progress. If the next time I go and lift weights, I, oh, dang, I can, I can bench five more pounds than I did last time. That's cool. It gets you, or I lost half a pound in the, in the last two or three days. It's that incremental progress. Dave Ramsey talks about for paying off debt, the snowball method. He says, don't try paying off the credit card debt that has the highest APR. Do the one that has the lowest amount of debt. Because when you tackle that one, you're going to be super pumped to pay off your debt. So when you think about it like that, and you, yeah, you have all of these things to work on, but think about how you could approach that in more of a domino effect versus working on everything at once, because I don't want to be mediocre at a bunch of things at the same time and then raise everything from mediocre to slightly less mediocre to a little less mediocre than that. I want to figure out which one thing can I just hit a home run with and then stack onto that home run after home run after home run after home run. I love this and we don't have enough time to go into it, but what you're touching on here is the psychology of success versus the logic behind it. And if you were to tackle that high APR first, logically, the one that the loan that's costing us the most money, that's the one we need to sink our teeth into. But you know what? That's the one that is most likely to spin, make you spin your wheels over time and get nowhere with any of the projects. And there are so many metaphors to take and, and, and lessons to learn. I don't want to get into that here. We don't have the time to. But you did talk about motivation. And motivation is one of those things that you need to keep really, really high. 
And you are like all in on Kobe Bryant. And I think it's, well, it is unfortunate. I was never a huge Kobe fan back in the day, but posthumously we can really think about some of the lessons that he left us and tried to teach us and and really take a lot away from the way he carried himself professionally. And uh, you have this, this idea, like the decision's already been made. And and you pulled this from Kobe. What do, what do you mean the decision's already been made? Well, first off, I was never a Kobe fan either until after he retired. And I started, I think he's completely mischaracterized. I know he had the scandal, right? I think a lot of people judged him based on that, which is totally fair. But his transition from professional basketball into storytelling and that thing he did with his business there for a while was so remarkable, you know, because one of the things that he talked, because people kept asking him about, how do you stay motivated to do this stuff? He's like, well, that was a, my NBA career, that was an old chapter in my life. I've, I've moved on from that. And he talked about the discipline of showing up every day and writing the stories or working out or whatever it is. And someone asked him, well, what do you, what do you want to do when you don't feel like doing stuff? He's like, what, what do you mean? The decision's already been made. He's like, I already decided that I was going to do this. And you think about procrastination, I think, is the number one killer of sales results because like physical activity, it's really easy to skip a workout because you don't feel the immediate consequences of skipping a workout. You don't feel the immediate consequences of eating like garbage. Well, usually, unless you eat really, really bad, right? You see those consequences a month, two, three months down the road when you're like, oh, dang, I'm 10 pounds heavier. I'm out of shape. I'm not going to the gym. And it has this compound effect, right, that Darren Hardy talks about. On the contrary to that, it's the the decision has already been in prospecting is the most this is the best example I can think of because it's the daily doing of that activity that doesn't generate immediate results typically. That when I spend that hour every day, Monday through Friday, the five hours a week or the four or three hours a week, whatever it is, I'm building my pipeline for three to six months from now. And making that decision in advance, and one small tactical thing that I do that I've been sharing with people that seems to really relate with them is I put a, I do asterisk and then I do NN capital letters for, it stands for non-negotiable, then asterisk. I put that in front of calendar events that are non-negotiable. And it's this idea that the decision's already already been made. I cannot move this unless I absolutely have to. So if my boss tells me, no, we need to do this thing. And I've tried objection handling with my boss and no, we're going to schedule over it. We have to, or it's the biggest account in your life that you've been trying to get in front of. And that's the only time they can meet. Those are basically the two exceptions. Because one of the things I asked the client, one one last little story, was I was doing these you know, prospecting blocks with them. I was talking time management because they just weren't doing the things that we talked about. And they're like, oh, this stuff always comes up. A client always wants something or my legal team wants something for a contract. And I said, well, hey, when you do a sales call in person with someone and you spend an hour at that hospital with them, do you have your phone on during that time? Are you taking emails from other people? When legal calls, do you pick up during that hour when you're doing a sales call? Like, no. And their sales leader actually pointed out, they're like, you guys, so basically what you're saying is that prospecting is actually not a priority for you. I was like, oh, ding, 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 right? It's, it, it has to, it's not, I don't have enough time. It's that this isn't a priority. You have to make the decision that this is a priority and the decision's already been made. You don't, you don't argue with yourself whether or not you're going to do it. You do it. The decisions have been made. So when you take that call and when you put your phone on do not disturb, when you're face-to-face with the client or zoom to zoom with the client or whatever, you are acknowledging that there are some things that are worth putting in front of others, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Why is it? Tell me right now why prospecting isn't there, right? And I'll take this another direction too. I'll take this to planning the night before. 
you wake up, this is something I'm working on, right? And that, there are times in my career, I've been very, very good at this. There are other times, not so much, where it's like, okay, tomorrow I've got some white space on my calendar and a to-do list. Create an appointment for every one of those things and put it in your calendar and remind yourself before you go to bed at night, this is what I got to do as soon as I wake up. And it's nice when you have a routine, you have an office to go to or whatever, and you can be really regimented. Other people, particularly in outside sales, where they're a little bit more free-flowing in the day, commit to what you're going to do ahead of time so you can wake up and hit the ground running. That is how you get more done. That fluidity and the just the, the open space with the to-do list, like that's how you find stuff taking way longer than it should. And that's where procrastination steps in. Yep. Be intentional. Make the decision. That was a fun one. I think one of the big things that I've been thinking a lot about again is what I ended on there. Yeah, the decision has already been made. And Gary, how do we eliminate that procrastination? So think about this rest of this week, or if you kind of step back and look at how this week has gone so far, depending on when you're listening to this, what are some of the areas that tend to come up that you procrastinate? Doesn't have to be something outbound related. Maybe you pick up the phone and you make your calls. But where do you tend to procrastinate the most? make that decision in advance so that you can avoid doing that. I appreciate you tuning in today. One thing I would love if you enjoyed this episode is subscribe, leave a review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps us grow the show and get it in front of more folks exactly like yourself. So appreciate you tuning in. I'll talk to you later.